Welcome back to another episode of Jeducation, where parenting and Jewish education merges. This week, we have the famous, world-renowned Rev. J.J. Schachter. Rev. J.J. Schachter is a well-known speaker and was a longtime Rav in the Jewish Center in Manhattan and in other communities as well, and continues to give over in the field by training the next rabbis going into Rabbanus. It is fascinating to hear that such a well-polished and world-renowned speaker who is known for his expertise in history, his sheer brilliance, and how great of a speaker he is, had difficulty when he was younger, and how his mother's faith in him helped him so much to get past that, and, you know, is also really what helped him formulate his opinion on the core of parenting, as you'll hear in this episode. Rav gives a strong musser to all educators, and really all parents, about the time that we spend with our children, and he ends off with a really, really strong line, which is really the whole idea behind this podcast, so it's great to know that we're in such good company. If you have any questions, any ideas of what you'd like to hear, as always, please reach out to us at jeducation.org. Really appreciate the feedback and the ideas that we've gotten so far and look forward to being able to continue to give you the great education advice. And, you know, I've been I've been traveling in Israel over the past week for Israel guidance, and it's been so nice. I've been I bumped into a number of people in Israel who keep saying to me, wow, you're, you're education, and thank you so much. So really, you know, appreciate it. It's, it's nice to hear, and I'm happy to you know, hear, hear that we're, you know, we're reaching people and really helping with, with parenting and with the different advice. There is now a education WhatsApp group, so make sure if you want to stay up to date on the latest updates, episodes, videos, and ideas, you know, join, join us there, join it on the judgeducation.org, and sign up for our emailing list at judgeducation.org. And as a reminder, Give us a five-star rating if you like it on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and anything else. Please check us out at jeducation.org. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Jeducation Podcast. My name is Yetir Manchel. Jeducation, where parenting and Jewish education merge to give our children the best possible experience. Whether you chose to be an educator by profession or not, we are all Jewish educators. Day in and day out in our own homes, we are educating our children on what it means to be a Jew, what it means to be a good person. And sometimes, perhaps most of the time, the education children receive in their homes is more impactful than the formal education they receive in school. Check us out at jeducation.org today and remember to subscribe to the podcast. This week's guest is Rabbi Dr. J.J. Schachter. Rabbi Schachter is the senior scholar at Yeshiva University's Center for the Jewish Future, the CJF. He is also a university professor of Jewish history and Jewish thought. Prior to his role at YU, Rav Schachter was the dean at the Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik Institute in Brookline, and prior to that, he was the Rav in the Jewish Center in Manhattan, where he had tremendous success as the congregation grew more than triple its size under his leadership. Rav Schachter holds a PhD in Near Eastern Languages from Harvard and received rabbinic ordination from Yeshiva Torah Vadas in 1973. Hershachter is a historian of intellectual trends in Orthodox Judaism and is well known for his incredibly amazing and inspirational lectures, especially in Jewish history. Hershachter was one of the leading American Orthodox rabbis, scholars, and educators whose rabbinic career and numerous publications have inspired many to deepen their connection to Judaism. I want to thank Hershachter for taking the time out of his busy schedule to talk to education. It's a pleasure to be here, to be here with you. Shimcha Olech Lefanecha. Um, I don't have a bio in front of me, but uh, to get to the bottom line, you're an extraordinarily gifted educator and a wonderful person. You have a great reputation. It's a pleasure to join you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, and thank you for taking the time to talk to education. Pleasure. So first off, what inspired you to go into the rabbinate to become a Jewish educator? 
I grew up in a home where uh, my father was a very prominent rabbi. Um, he uh, was the first one who got smicha at Yeshiva Rabbeinu Yitzhak Ochanan from Rabbi Joseph P. Soloveitchik wow. when he came uh, in 1942 to uh, take over for his father who had passed away a number of months before. My father had learned with Reb Moshe and uh, both uh, Dr. Revel, who was then the president of the yeshiva, and Rav Moshe Soloveitchik, who was a Rosh yeshiva, died within a few months of one another. And there were boys who were backlogged waiting for smicha, and uh, my father was among them, and he was the, the first one in when Rabbi Joseph P. Soloveitchik came. Wow, that's so cool. That's really special. That's for us something very... Uh, very special. We're very proud of that in our family. Sure. Wow. And uh, my father had a close relationship with the Rav uh, ever since uh, for the remainder of uh, of Rabbi Soloveitchik's life. And he got a job part-time being a rabbi in Stanford, Connecticut. And then hmm. after he got smicha, the job became full-time. And then he volunteered to fight in the army. And uh, he was a volunteer chaplain. He was the wow. first uh, American chaplain to get into uh, concentration camps, and he liberated the Buchenwald right, concentration right. There's the, there's camp. The famous stories, sure. Many sure. famous stories. And uh, after a while, he became a rabbi in the Bronx, and he served in that uh, congregation for over 50 years, and that's where I grew up. Wow. And growing up, I saw him and my mother, who played a very important role uh, in uh, the shul and in our community, uh, served the Jewish people in very profound ways, both in terms of uh, public and also private and uh, saw firsthand the incredible impact that they had as a rabbinic couple on young people and older people within the community. So he was my first role model. Um, it was hard because he was very busy, he wasn't home a lot. Um, but I, I figured out that uh, I could be home myself more often and also be a rabbi. Hmm. Um, how, did you, how did you figure that out? I had a sense that... Uh, if this was important enough for me, both in terms of being a parent and also in terms of being a, a machanech or a rav, sure. then I would be able to figure it out. Um, I was also uh, very much mesmerized at that time by a young rabbi who was really burning up the New York scene, Rabbi Shlomo Riskin. Mm, sure. And uh, he had a tremendous impact on me. He was influenced by my father to go into the rabbinate. At some point, he was uh, not uh, considering the rabbinate. My father had a hashba on him to choose the rabbinate. And uh, he used to come around our house a lot. And then I watched him develop and uh, turn into a, really an incredible force at that time in uh, New York Jewry. And I wanted to be like him. So those were the two primary uh, uh, people, I guess, who influenced me. When I was uh, 12 years old, I left home and I went to Yeshiva Philadelphia for five years. Then I went to the Mir in Yerushalayim and I ended mm. up in Teravadas. So over the course of that time, I met uh, Gedoli Yisrael, people yeah, wow. who devoted their whole lives to, to being Malami Torah, Lami Yisrael. And Talmud Torah was very important to me. And to be a Malami Torah, Lami Yisrael was very important to me. So I, I drank the Kool-Aid, uh, as we say. <laughs> sure. And there was both uh, individual Yechidim who had an influence and also uh, spending so much time in the Avira of 
of Torah and of Yerushalayim uh, had a tremendous impact on me, and I wanted to contribute my share to that effort. Yeah, you had you had an incredible opportunity to really meet really such amazing Gedolei Torah. I did, yeah, I did. I was young. I was very young. I was twelve, thirteen when I first came to the Yeshiva of Philadelphia. But I developed a warm relationship, particularly with Rishmol Kamenetsky. Should be wow. well and strong. And then. Uh, in the mirror in Yerushalayim with uh, Rabbeinu Finkel, with Rab Chaim Shmulevitz, mm. wow. Rabbi Finkel, they were they were uh, Chaim Kamil. These were these were Gedolei Olam. Who uh, I, I felt like I was living in an alternate universe when I was uh, with them and around them, and was exposed to to the authenticity of the power of living a Torah life. Wow, that's uh, that's incredibly special. You said you said that there, those were your two specific role models. What what about them that did you specifically learn from them? I saw the impact that they had. I saw that that they could really make a difference. You know, I think young people growing up today, and maybe in the past also, mm -hmm. um, often wonder, I'm only one person. So you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to distinguish myself? Is it really going to make a difference? You know. I'll, Put her around, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, but I wanna, I wanna feel like I matter in this world, and I think the way one can address that is by finding people who, who do matter in this world. And uh, you know, the Gemara says that the Rebbe was Machayev Ashirim and Hillel was Machayev Aniim, right. and uh, that means that uh, whatever status you find yourself in you can do something, you can make a real difference. And I think that's what it was. I saw from the inside the tremendous uh, impact that these people, these two people in particular, can have in a profound, real way, not in a superficial way, in the public way only, but sure. in a personal way. And that that always uh, appealed to me and, and meant a lot to me because I wanted to see if I could have a hashba on, on, on real-life people in real-life circumstances. Right. And um, that's uh, that's what I had in front of me. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. So it sounds like, in a way, you, in certain ways, maybe parented a little bit different than your parents because you said you tried to balance and you tried to give the time more to your family. How did you... Or is that the only way that was different? Are there other similarities between the way that you parented to your parents or... Well, um, my, my father and mother were very different. Um, my mother was home. Uh, my father traveled a lot. He was a very prominent rabbi. Sure. Um, he uh, traveled all over the world. I remember, I'll tell you a story, when I was a little boy, it had a tremendous impact on me. So when uh, I was born, and I have a younger sister who's 20 months younger than me, mm. when we were uh, babies and and one and two and three and four and five, we only spoke Yiddish in the house. Really? Wow. Our parents both felt that uh, it was very important for us to know Yiddish hmm. so that when we grew up, we would be able to connect with uh, Jews all over the world who don't necessarily speak English. Sure. And in fact, Kachava, that's been the case for me. I've been able to connect profoundly with, with Jews in, in, in many different contexts and, and countries. And when I was five years old, um, for a number of summers, we used to go to a bungalow colony. And uh, in 1956, uh, in the summer, my father disappeared for seven weeks. Uh. And I remember, I was a little boy, I was five years old, I was 
you know, it took me a while to figure out that uh, Tati isn't home. We used to call him Tati. Right. I mean, disappeared as in like you didn't know where he was? I, I, I didn't clarify. I knew I knew that he went to the Soviet Union. He was the wow. member of the first delegation of rabbis to enter into the uh, Soviet Union since the Russian Revolution in 1917 when they actually shut down. They used to call it the Iron Curtain. Right, right. And the Iron Curtain was 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 more than a curtain. It was an iron rock wall, and no Westerners were allowed. And they were really uh, totally devoted to destroying any vestige of uh, traditional Jewish life. Right. And this was an amazing thing. You know, all these years later, they finally let a bunch of rabbis in, and my father was on in that first uh, delegation of rabbis. I'm giving you an example of how he traveled all over. Right. Right. And uh, I remember one day at some point, and it was not right away, asking my mother, Mami, V is Tati. Um, uh, Mami, wh where, is, where is my father? Right. And we only spoke Yiddish, and my mother said to me, and this was a profound influence, she said to me, Yankov Yosefol, my name is Yaakov Yosef, mm. and the Yiddish diminutive is Yosefol. Right. <laughs> Yankov Yosefol, Tati is gegangen helfen Yiden. Tati went to help Jews. Right, right, wow. And I remember like, oh, okay. You know, like, oh, all right. That, <laughs> you know, that's that sounds like a plan. And obviously I didn't realize the the incredible power and force of that characterization at that point. But it stayed with me. In fact, when my father died, he died in uh, 2013, right before Pesach, on his matzeva, uh, after the acrostic of his name and his father's name, we wrote Erz Gigangen Hell from Yiden. It's Mamish wow, emblazoned really? on his Matseva. Wow, that's very special. And uh, that made a difference. So he was he was away a lot. That same year, he went to. He was sent by the State Department uh, of the United States to Hungary to escort a whole bunch of Hungarian Jews who were leaving after the Hungarian Revolution uh, to come to settle in the United States. Uh, earlier, he traveled to Israel. He traveled all over the world. He was a very prominent leader. So he was not home a lot, besides being a rabbi of a shul. But my mother was home, so she was uh, hands-on. And I think a great deal of what I am internally is due to the incredible impact and inspiration of my mother, Olea Shalom. Wow. What were some of those things that she... She gave me faith in myself. I had difficulty when I was younger. I, I went to a school and I was in the stupid class. Mm. They actually called it that those really? days. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Wait. And I remember the Wait, teacher yeah, yeah. apologizing they had to put me into the stupid class. And and I was not doing well uh, as a child. I'm uh, not sure exactly why. I had a very uh, accelerated elementary school. Suffice it to say that I graduated eighth grade when I was 10 years old, oh, wow. which is a little bit uh, <laughs> yeah. not common. So I had to redo seventh and eighth grade so that I can go to high school at the ripe old age of 12. And I went away from home. I went to Yeshiva Philadelphia <laughs> right, right. Wow. from the Bronx. I was having a hard time, but my mother used to say to me, Yankov Yosefol, you could be whatever you want to be. And uh, you could be whatever you want to be. Just want to be it, and you could be it. And that mantra was very powerful. When we think about parenting, I think that uh, an incredible gift that parents can give children is to 
encourage children and give them the optimism and the faith and the capacity that they could really, they could be Kona Olamos. How do, how do parents give that over? I feel like, especially when children have confidence issues, it's hard for parents. To I think help. if parents really believe it, then I think kids pick it up. If parents just say it, I think that's Bechlaliyasod in parenting, is to right. be authentic. Sure. The parent really believes that a, a child can be, I believe that my mother believed that I could be whatever, and I think that's what made a difference. Do I have time for a vart, for please, a brief vart? Please, please. Um, the whole podcast is worth this vart. Amazing. Every morning we get up and we say, Maudani lefanecha, melechai v'kayom. So I haven't said anything that people listening don't know yet. So my father told me more than once, he said, I don't understand the last two words. Thank you. That's where you're supposed to stop. With, with great kindness and mercy, you return my soul to me. Kama, semicolon, Rabba Emunasacha, great is your faith. So my father, Zachorna Levracha, asked, What do you mean, great is your faith? What? I'm giving the Rabbani Shalom a Kishin Piskal, I'm giving the Rabbani Shalom a, you know, I'm giving him a, like a check, I'm giving him an A. You have faith. What Hashem needs me to tell him that he has faith. What does it mean, Rabbi Munasach? Great is your faith. Right. Great. You know what? You have a lot of faith, God. You know, and I'm going to give you Psychophany I'm going to give you Mafta Yoyna. I'm going to, you know, I mean, you, what kind of talk is that? It's a good Kasha, no? It's a great Kasha. Do you ever think of the Kasha? Yeah, yeah. Some people say, Rabbi Munasach, that Hashem has the faith in us. That's right. So that's what I want to say. Right. So I heard that from my father. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. Rabbi Emunah thank you, Hashem, for giving me back my soul. Because you have faith in me. Right. Because you believe that today I'm going to do something meaningful. That's mm. why you gave me my soul back. Yeah. Otherwise, what do I need my soul? You gave me my soul because you have faith in me. Your father said this to you when you were younger to help you. No, this he's, I heard when he was older, when ah, I was older and he was older. Uh -huh. I didn't. What, what got me through my early years was my mother's faith in me. And this word I heard from him. And uh, I've sold this vort, I've shared this vort, because I think it means a lot to me. I mean, I know it means a lot to me. And I think that's the core, or one of the core messages for parents to transmit to children. You could do it. You could do it. And I have faith in you. You know, when kids are very little, they think their parents are sitting next to the Rabban Shalom on the Kisiyah Kavod. Do you ever watch, I'm sure you do, Mr. Shem, in your own experience, you have a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and you bet the parent is bending down and, and the kid is just learning to walk and mm -hmm. waddle. And the kid, the parent is holding the kid by the hand and the kid's walking around. The kid looks up at the parent. You ever see the eyes? Yeah, yeah. The kid looks up at the parent. It's like, wow. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's amazing. Like my tati, my mommy, my abba, my ima, my mother, my... And, uh, and when a parent can reciprocate, not with the Yeras uh, Aromamus that the child looks up to the parent about, but with not just love, but faith, faith in the child. That's mm. extraordinary, and that, that's what saved me. Wow. And uh, when I was a parent, I stayed home more. I was uh, also very busy, but I made it a big priority uh, 
we have two daughters to to be with them, to stay home with them, and to make their childhood a very important priority for me. How were you able to do that? You were such a you had so many prominent roles over over the years. I was very busy then. Primarily, then I was a rabbi in the Jewish Center on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. It's a right. very uh, highfalutin, fancy, <laughs> large jewel. Sure, and. Uh, I made sure that I was home when my kids came home from school. I, I worked out my schedule and uh, was able to do that. And uh, was there when the bus came, uh, give them ice cream, take them down, take the knapsack off their shoulders. Yeah, that's and, really uh, special. Wow. That's really important. I think Machanchim uh, especially, who uh, have to juggle a lot, need to put their kids at the top of their list. Our children did not ask to be born into this world. Hmm. We brought them into this world. They don't have any other father or mother than us. That's it. We have an achrayis to them. Why is it that Machanchim spend so much time with other people's children more than their own children? Yeah, It's inexcusable. Other people's children have parents. The Machanchim's children don't have any other parents. I'll tell you another word. Esanefesh asherasu b'charot. We talk about having an impact. Avram Avinu and Sarah. V'yikach Avram eslot benacha v'sara ishto v'eslot benacha v'eskol v'chushem asher rachashu v'yechol lo lachas ha'artza kanan v'yavah ha'artza kanan. So what says kol v'chushem asher rachashu v'sanefesh asher rosu b'charan? So Rashi says famously, Avram was megayar the anoshim and Sarah was megayar as the noshim. How many were there? Do you ever wonder? How many people were there? Give me a number. When, it, when they left to go to Eretz Canaan, and Avram's walking in the front with Sarah and Lot, and Esa Nefesh, he turns around, could he see the end of the line? How, how, what did he say? Imagine it was like thousands. That's imagine like, there were thousands. Imagine it. You imagine, right? Thousands. But, but some say it's just, it was just Eliezer. Some say it was just Eliezer, but not the Rambam. Right. Rambam in Hilchos Avodazar, Perikalov says, Ashen Eskapzuwe love, I love him. Urevavos, huh. not just thousands, right. tens of thousands. Yeah. When he turned around, he couldn't begin to see a twentieth of the line. It just went. It was endless. Could you imagine tens of thousands of people Avram Avinu had an impact on? And following him, it's like it's, it's, following it's, it's him. Incredible imagery. Yeah. yeah. And now my question: What happened to them? Right. Where are they? Yeah. Lech Lecha told those. Where'd they go? Who's in Nitzchias of Avram? Kibi Yitzchaki Karel Chazar. Right, right. So with all of the Kirov and all of the impact and all of the devotion to the world and to monotheism and uh, to what was going to become the Jewish people, Kibi Yitzchaki Karel Chazar, at the end of the day, one's in Nitzchias, if one is Zohar to have children, and we don't take it for granted for a second, if one is Zohar to have children, that's your avoda. You brought them into this world. You have an achrayis to them. And I think that if machanchem and machanchos realize that, they're going to figure out a way. Don't be a hero and save the other person's kid. Who, who takes your kid to the soccer game? Who, ta- who goes to the chumash play? Why should only their mother go to the chumash play? Sometimes their mothers are also machanchos. Right, right. So the, 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 the babysitter takes them. The Zaidi and Bubby? Yeah, it's great. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Zaidi. I'd love to go at my eight o'clock. And that's great, but, but it's the parents' achrayas. So I think that if 
Mechanchem and Mechanchos really internalize this, that it's Kibi Yitzchak and that's their main achrayas, I trust that they'll figure it out. And then the default is not, I have to go to the meeting, I have right. to go, I have to run. The default is I have to be home. You need a real mechayev to pull yourself out from doing homework with your kid on a Tuesday night. Is that, would you say that that's the, the best piece of advice you'd give to a young mechanech or to a young parent? I think so. A mechanech who is a parent or a mechanechet who is a parent, I would say to them, chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom. Do not slaughter your children hmm. on the altar of the Jewish people. Hmm. Chas v'shalom. It's hmm. very true, very true. And what, and what about what what advice would you give to parents who are not mechanchim? I would say the same thing. Yeah. If 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 a parent is a lawyer and a parent is a doctor, and a parent is a businessman or a businesswoman, make your children your priority. You see, mechanchim think that they have an excuse because <sighs> they're doing holy work. You know, they're not going to a ball game and they're not going to a restaurant where they're cozying up to some potential client. They're being Malami Torah I'm I'm a holy guy. I'm a tzaddikus. I'm I'm great. Yeah, yeah, but not at the cheshbon of your children. Yeah, of course it's great. What a bracha you have to be able to do that. But don't slaughter your children on the altar of the Jewish people ever. Hmm. Very true words. It's, uh, thank you. It's really it's really important advice. Your 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 lectures and your publications have really helped many to to deepen their connection to Hashem. How did you accomplish that? How do you accomplish that through every every speech you give? I've I've had this zechus to hear so many of your speeches and your your. That's lectures. very sweet of you. How, yeah. How do you how do you give that over that connection to Hashem? It's it's really it's 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 impressive. You have a real skill for it. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Very kind of you. Um, so I would say a couple of things, and I'm trying to remember them. The first one is that I had a great deal of difficulty when I was young in public speaking. Mm. My father was an extremely prominent public speaker and uh, I could not figure out how to do that. And I was, I think primarily I was intimidated from him Occupied. I had a very similar experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My father was my father was uh, always ahead of school, and he was always he was always speaking and everything. And I I always had that. People used to tell me, "Well, you're going to follow in his footsteps," and it intimidated me so much that I had a very hard time speaking when I was mm -hmm. when I was you know younger, and I was when I was right. in smicha in the beginning, going to public speaking classes. It was so hard for me. Baruch Hashem, I gained the confidence, but it was it was very challenging for me. I, at first. I appreciate your saying that, and I appreciate your honesty, and I think people who are listening to this will get chizuk from that. That even a, uh, a gifted, incredible mechanech like <laughs> a Rabbi Menchel didn't come to this easily, but had to work on it. Well, same, same, same thing for you. Thank you. <laughs> Which means that they can also uh, potentially aspire to be like you. Um, people shouldn't think that uh, great speakers or, or uh, effective speakers are born that way necessarily. It's a lot of avoda. When I came to the Jewish Center, I had a lot of trouble with my public speaking, and uh, my shul made a deal with me that uh, I'd go 50-50 with them on a speech coach. Really? And that mm -hmm. uh, we hired a speech coach. Wow. And I worked with a speech coach. Wow, that's so cool. I tell that to my students, they can't believe it, yeah. but I want them to know <laughs> it's hard that. hard to believe, it really is. Yeah, I want them to know that. So number one, I work very hard on uh, trying to be able to be an effective communicator publicly. Second is the question you asked had to do with uh, 
feeling closer to Hashem, mm. uh, for me, and this is also my own private avoda, my closeness to Hashem comes through Talmud Torah, comes through intellectual study. Um, I, uh, I, I love the emotional. Um, I learned to play the guitar uh, and singing and music is very powerful for yeah. me. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. Uh, but when my public presentations, I don't play guitar. Yeah, I, I definitely did not know that. that. that you, didn't, you didn't see that. No. <laughs> and my public presentations are more... Definitely not on your Tishbub lectures. It's not yeah, there. that's right. That's not going to happen then. <laughs> but it's more geared, if you've heard me, uh, it's more intellectual. Sure, sure. I'm trying to teach, especially you mentioned Tishbub, so seven hours, whatever it is, it's <laughs> a lot of Torah. And it's via the Talmud Torah that my connection to the Rabbon Shalom is uh, inspired and is uh, thickened and, and deepened. And uh, when, I, when I speak and when I teach, whether it's a lecture or it's a, a drasha or on Tisha B'Av or whatever else I'm trying to convey, I'm trying to convey the profundity of, of our tradition, the substance of what it is that we represent um, the nuances of intellectual endeavor. And through that, um, either directly and most often indirectly, indicate that herein lies an enterprise worthy of engaging in. Hmm. And uh, and that's why uh, stop what you're doing and go Dava Mencha, because right. that's really uh, very special and very important. Oh, that's so cool. That's really, really cool. So how, do you think that parents, or I guess how would you advise parents to be able to help their children deepen that relationship with Hashem? I think the first thing is... That's a little different, not as much an intellectual... I understand. Are... I understand. But, but in the case of parents, it's not they're going to sit down and learn a chef schmeitzer with them, and that's what's going to get them all excited right, right. about the not missing a mimcha. There it is more uh, what we call informal education. You know about that better than I. And uh, schools today really understand more and more the absolute uh, necessity of not just formal classroom education, but informal education, which is after-school clubs, which is Shabbatonim, right. the power of summer camp, uh, et cetera, sure. uh, with the space that you occupy with extraordinarily great distinction. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we know about informal education, and, and that bicker is really the, the role of the parent. The role of the parent is not so much, so much formal education, although parents sometimes has to do homework with the kids right, so you have to never learn the Chumash and Rashi you know to but it's it's creating a home and an atmosphere in a home where Torah and mitzvot and chesed are uh, celebrated how did you create that home and that atmosphere for your children I'll talk about how I think it could be created and should be created um, I think if parents really believe it then it gets transmitted to children it's the same as so that I mentioned earlier about sure, if parents right. really have faith in children. Right, right. I think that it's crucially important in order for parents to be successful. And I'm going to stop now and say that parents can sometimes do everything in the world and it doesn't always work out. Right. We know of extraordinary, extraordinarily gifted, wonderful, kind, passionate, authentic, meaningful, learned parents whose children don't necessarily turn out the way they want. But at least the kind of ishtadlos that would be, I think, appropriate on the part of parents is to first mean it yourself and to first believe it yourself. That if 
you need to have a, a connection with the Rabbanu Shalom. You need to love Torah. You need to do Maisach Chesed. You need to believe that they're important. Not just tell the kid, you know, to go do a Chesed project. So do you do a Chesed project? What, what, what do you do? Do you set aside time to study Torah? Do you drop everything and run to a late Ma'ariv because he didn't have a chance to daven yet? Um, that to me is olive base. The only way it seems to me that parents can even have a havamina of being successful is if parents start themselves and really mean it themselves. And then the kid sees it. The kid sees how the parent behaves, not what the parent says. Right. You know, we always say, you know, do as I uh, do, not yeah. what I, you know. Right. Uh, or the other tzushtel is, you know, when you get on an airplane and the stewardess says, you know, if if the uh, air pressure comes down, you first put the mask on yourself and right. then you put the mask on, on mm -hmm. the kid. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. The mask has to go on you first. You have to be breathing. You have to have the values and not klapechutz, but internalized deep, deep. And if you do, then you have a shot. No, no guarantees. But you have a shot. So I think if parents really believe this and live it and that children see their parents that way when they're not posturing, I think that's really important. And this is not just for Machanchim. I would say it's even harder sometimes for Machanchim because when Machanchim come home, they're done. They're right. fried. They've had it. Enough Judaism for today. <laughs> you know, it's enough teaching kids. You know, I, I'm up a wazoo talking about Hashem. Give me a break. I want to, you know, just rest. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's a paradox. You know, those who spend their lives educating other people's children are spent by the time they come home and they are, you know, they're just, uh, they don't give the vibes of the, of the warmth and the beauty and the excitement. They give the vibes of I'm tired, right. I'm knocked out. Right. It's like people say, uh, you know, back when people first came off the boat in, from Europe, they'd say, ah, oh, you know, it's, uh, what's the Yiddish Schwerz Schwerz is I Right. And, and, and that doesn't work. Right. You, know, you tell your kid long enough, the kid says, oh, okay, so I'm out of here. <laughs> right. Who needs this? <laughs> right, right. But I, and I think I think that happens a lot in Machanchem family. So there's this paradox. Yeah, that's interesting. That's that those interesting. who do not spend their days in Avodas Hakodesh and who are sincere Jews could potentially be more successful in being able to transmit this. Not in terms of the amount of time they spend with their children, but with the authenticity of the power of their positive experiences. Right. What I'm saying, right? It's interesting because you're saying more than just modeling, but it's it's having making it really genuine and also genuinely believing in them. It's it's like that that right. all those three parts, right? So it's 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 all about authenticity and genuineness. That I think all of life is that way. You you can't just you know mach mach nach. You can't just act if you want to be successful with anything. If you want to be successful in a classroom, so you could fake it for a while. But, you know, kids pick up, kids pick up everything uh, and they, they know. And then they'll catch you in an unguarded moment. Right. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard, no, but I think really that's see. crucial. Kids they, see everything. They see everything and they know, they can tell when something's not genuine. Mm -hmm. and, and Yeah. Totally. So you, you, over the course of your career, you've had a very strong pulse on the Jewish community. And, uh, you know, I know you have this mentorship program with, you know, the next Mechanchim and, and Rabbanim. And 
how have you seen, I guess, two, two questions. Number one is, how have you trained the next Rabbanim to be able to, to deal with these, these, you know, these difficulties in, in parenting and education and in being, this gen, being genuine with their own children and also with their, their kahila? So my, my role at uh, Yeshiva University is more with pulpit rabbis than with mechanchim. Sure. The world that I occupied myself uh, as a professional was in the, in the rabbinate. So I feel like I'm Kona that world uh, better than the world of Chinuch, which I have not uh, occupied. Um, I think it's not a matter of training. It's a matter of inspiring. Uh, training is too technical, I mm -hmm. think. I don't know, you train a dog to jump through hoops. You know, <laughs> right, I don't right. know, training. I, I don't like the phrase teacher training. Sure, sure. You know, I don't know what phrase today is more common and popular in the world that you occupy. You know, teacher enhancement, professional uh, development, whatever nusach. Yeah, yeah. But training is too pasnish to yeah. train. You know, somebody who's a trainer, you go to the gym and you pick up a weight, you're a trainer. Sure. So how so, do you inspire the, the next Rabbanim? So there are two detzvedinim. One is emotional, one is intellectual. Um, I spend a lot of time trying to help young rabbis and not so young rabbis negotiate challenges that they're facing in the contemporary American Jewish community, and particularly in the American Orthodox Jewish community. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of challenges, and rabbis uh, find themselves uh, flummoxed and, and overwhelmed. Even before COVID, let's talk about COVID, the last year and a half yeah. is how am I going to get the shul back together again? And, yeah, yeah. and that gets rabbis down, and rabbis lose sleep, and this is a major challenge in all of our communities. So, uh, And then there are issues about uh, the role of women, uh, gender issues, sure. um, issues about non-observant Jews. There, there, there are all kinds of issues, uh, Israel, things that... that are, are grabbing the attention of the contemporary community that rabbis are often called upon to opine on and to address, mm -hmm. and sometimes to lead and to give drushes about. So one way to help rabbis is to make them feel confident that they have what to say about these things, that they don't have to feel frightened, nervous, right. scared, anxious. You know, you know I, I, I have a mahalach, and sometimes the mahalach is I'm working through my mahalach. Mm -hmm. you know, mahalach doesn't mean done, right, okay, wrap sure. it up in a bow, we're all finished, got it, next. It means it's a process, it's a journey. And when uh, rabbis feel that they're in the parsha of being able to address it, so already they calm down. So one is the issue of, uh, of uh, intellectual. Um, I also give them a lot of chomer ledrush. Mm -hmm. uh, we go through So what's the biggest panic of a rabbi? Oh my God, it's Thursday night. I have a drasha and what am I gonna do? And oh my God, my president has a bar mitzvah and a lot of people are gonna come and I gotta knock it out of the park. And I, so, so you help give them- I give them to, stuff. I uh, give them varts and then we give them intros. We give them- That's so cool. Like, wow. You know, and-, and uh, I, I have Chabur is after Chabur. I'm now in my eighth uh, cohort. Wow. And uh, we spend uh, the first uh, two years together four times a year, although we got derailed because right. of COVID, COVID sure. but we did it online. Uh -huh. So I give them a lot of material on the, every Yamtev and on uh, Parshish and on yeah, the rabbis, rabbis. issues. That's so cool. <laughs> so I try to give, so, th so then they, you know, they're on top of the game. Once yeah. you're on top of the curve, you feel like 
You feel much more confident. Much more confident. Yeah, you're calmer. You're like, you can actually hug your kid on a Thursday night and not hole up in your study and saying, you know, tell your wife, you know, I'm, you know, till I get a drush at 1 a.m., you stagger into your room. Um, so that's one thing. And the other is to help them negotiate the emotional aspects of mm -hmm. life. Um, my wife is a psychotherapist and she comes to each one of our Yarche Kala. Cool. And she talks to them, with them. How do you deal with a difficult congregant? Um, how do you balance family and community? Um, how do you understand that your success is to some extent dependent upon how charismatic you are? Mm -hmm. And this is true for Machanchem too. Sure. But you also understand that if you begin to really believe it, you're in big trouble because you can cross bounds. If you, Mamish, believe the charisma that you're trying to project, then you can end up acting in inappropriate ways because, right. you know, nothing can touch me. I'm a, right, you know. Sure. So, how do you balance? On the one hand, charisma is important for our rabbinic persona. On the other hand, you know, have a little anivas, right. you know, and it's true for machanchim too. Sure. You know, the more jumping up and down and charismatic a machanich is, the kids get all excited. But then it's just that much more and you cross a line. So these are all emotional issues, mm -hmm. self-awareness issues that she talks about with them and that we talk about all the time. So the emphasis is on trying to help rabbis both in the craft of their profession and in the internal lives of their humanness. Hmm. Hmm. Wow, very cool. That's amazing work that you're doing. Baruch Hashem. I'm being very jealous of my friends who are in your cohort and being like, I wish I was going into Rabban just so I could have that experience. Yeah, that's <laughs> very sweet. Yeah, yeah. There should be something similar for Machanchem. A number of people have asked me whether I would be able to do it. You see, I'm happy to do it, but... I'm not, I don't think, the right person because uh -huh. it's not my world. I could talk to rabbis because I mamish yeah, you're in it, in you're it in the deep. Chart, yeah. I've been a pulpit rabbi for 30 years. I know everything. Right. And also they can trust me because they know I've been in the trenches sure. in a big way. For Machanchem, it's different. There should be someone who should do this. My son-in-law has asked me also. Uh, <laughs> he's a leading yeah. Machanech, the head of school yeah. in uh, Yavna Academy. Pleasure of working with him for, for many years. He's, and, he's uh, amazing. And so, uh, but I, I, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little metzamtzame there. I, I, I feel like I know what I can at least potentially try to contribute to and what I think is beyond uh, my particular field of expertise. All right, we'll have to, after the podcast, we'll have to work on getting that happening. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so I, you know, going back to what I was saying before is that you, you have this really strong pulse. You have, you have this really strong pulse on the Jewish community. What, what changes have you seen in terms of parenting, how parenting has evolved over the years? I'll tell you something. I tell my children all the time that their job raising their children is much harder than my job and my wife's job was in raising them. Right, why is that? Because I think the world has lost its mind hmm. today. Wow. Um, not even only talking about technology, but I'm also talking about technology. Sure. Uh, that didn't exist not when I was growing up and not when my children were growing up. Right, right. 
you know, with two or three clicks of a mouse, you can end up wherever you're going to potentially end up. That's uh, morally and ethically uh, corrosive, not only for a Ben or a Bat Torah, but for a human being. And that's so easily accessible that it's, it's scary. A, B, the, the Malachas Batala of mm, right. technology and uh, social media, the amount of time you could spend, the Lashon Hara that is uh, spread. It's, um, it's a pachad, mamish a pachad. But I also think that the values of, of today's uh, culture, the, the cancel culture, mm-hmm. nobody's respectful, sure. people um, project the impact of various microaggressions. Now, to some extent, I think that that's a good thing. I think that we become more sensitive to other people's feelings. But I, I, I think that the culture of putting people down and if you're not fully agreeing with me or my enemy and just look at the absolute deadlock in Washington and the political system, civility is gone. I, I think it's really hard raising children to be respectful and be kind and give people the benefit of the doubt. So how do, how do parents deal with the, I guess, keep their minds on in a world that's lost their mind how do they, and, and help their children to be able to... Keep so I'm, I'm a Zadie, so I'm Potter. <laughs> you have to ask, uh, you ask yourself that question, Rabbi Menchel. I hear you. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, it's a I, good question. I, I must tell you that I, when I see parents of students of mine, and I'm Baruch Hashem, I'm blessed to have really wonderful students and wonderful young rabbis, and I meet their parents, I start to cry, and I say to them, you have done something absolutely extraordinary. Mm -hmm. You may not realize it because it's just so obvious to you, but raising a child like you raised your child in today's world, in the way that you did, you're my hero. It's a big feat, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know how they did it. I think they do it by being authentically meaningful and uh, believing in what they say and projecting to their children a different, an alternative model Mm. for human decency than what they encounter out in the world. Right. I want to wrap up with a question on tefillah. Tefillah is is really, really hard. Um, And, you know, we spoke about the intellectual and we spoke about the emotional. How can parents help their children better connect with tefillah and make it a little more accessible for them? I think the answer to that question, and it's an extremely powerful question, and it's not only for parents, but it's also for Machan Chim. Sure, sure. I hear from uh, everyone that, you know, the, the tefillah part of the daily curriculum in school is uh, deadly it's challenging. challenging. It's very challenging. Very, very challenging. It's, besides, sad. it's sad to see it, honestly. It's, it's very sad. It's, Unbelievable. Besides the fact that it's early in the morning, fishachris, and the kids are still groggy, but they're not engaged. Then they're right. That's what's so, so know. sad. It's so sad to see sometimes a total lack of connection. Yeah. Total, not even care for a right. connection. They're it's not just, even interested in having right, a connection. Right. Like they, like some people say, like I want to, I want to, want to, want to, want. They're not even right. at the last level. Like sometimes, and it's very yeah, sad. It's, it's sad true. It's not a value for them. 
and they have to go through the motions because Nebuch, they're in school and the teacher will give them a demerit if they uh, throw a spitball in the middle of Shmon Esrei. <laughs> but there are schools that you know where boys who are bar mitzvah come in, they don't even put on tefillin. I mean, yeah. this is, it's just uh, very sad, very sad. So um, you'll figure out how Machanchem deal with this. And, <laughs> and should you be able to, you will be catapulted <laughs> to great prominence and extraordinary wealth in our community if you could solve this problem. <laughs> Mir Hashem, I'm counting on you. I have faith in you that oh, you could do it. Amen. Thank you. Um, but for parents, I would say, uh, once again, I'm coming back to what I said before, is model it. You want your kids to daven in a meaningful way, so you daven in a meaningful way. You can't expect your kid to do that if you don't do that. And it's not faking it, it's reaching a stage where you you believe it and you mean it and you run to minion and in the case of mothers, to set aside time to, to daven shachris in a meaningful way, not just on Shabbos, but children need to see, it seems to me, if there is any hope, children to see parents who are sincerely and genuinely engaged in the conversation with Hashem when they're davening and that it matters to them. Hmm. Um, There's no shortcut here and there's no uh, easy bullet or whatever it's called. Parents very often put the onus of this on the school it's misplaced. It's totally wrong. It's their own achrayas. The school can only do so much, but the parent has the primary responsibility for chinuch. Yeah, I think that's very true. And it and it takes place in the in the little tiny spaces between everything else that's going on in the house when the kids look at the parents and really see what the parents are and what their values are. And then you have a chance, Mirz Hashem, with a lot of siyata d'shmaya, to be able to transmit that to uh, next generation. Amen. I want to really thank you so so much for your time. It really these were incredibly insightful. I hope so. And it really, I, I know for me it was very helpful and it was inspirational for me. And I'm thank I'm, you. I'm confident it will be extremely thank inspirational you. and helpful for our listeners. I so hope so. Thank you so much for the time. It's a pleasure. And uh, it, was, it was a pleasure to see you again. Thank you so much. HaKadosh Baruch Rabbi Menchel should give you tremendous koach to continue your incredible work. The fact that you do this is just an extra gift to the Jewish people. This is not a parnasa for you. This is a gift. This is a way you want to contribute. Amen. Thank besides you. everything else that, that you do. And you should have koach to continue and Amen. have great nachas and success in your personal and professional life. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you again. You're welcome. Wow, it was such a special zechus to sit down with one of the great rabbinic leaders of our generation who really grew up in such a different time and has such great perspective and wisdom to impart on us. Rav Schechter was consistent with his message, the importance of spending time, being genuine with our children, and really modeling what is really important to us in order if we really want to give it over to them. Looking forward to a very, very dear episode for me next week, my Rebbe, Rev Yaakov Neuberger. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, remember to check us out uh, at jeducation.org, sign up for our WhatsApp group, for our emailing list, give us a rating, whatever rating works for you on Apple Podcasts, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, you know, check us out, 
feel free to connect with us in any way. Reach out to us on edgeeducation.org and look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for being a part of Education Nation.